Hey everybody, welcome to Soul Food Priest with Father Ben. It's great to have you. I'm here with Kira Roddy. Kira, how are you? I'm well. I'm doing good. Doing good. It's awesome. good to laugh. It, it, is, it is. Amen. Fine time to laugh. That's great. Mm. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. You know, speaking of laughter, I think, um, have you ever, you probably have not yet experienced this, but as you get older, mm-hmm. uh, you you find yourself looking in the mirror in the morning thinking, who is that old man? Yeah. Like, who is this old person? And I was, the other day I was looking in the mirror, I was like, dude, wow. Like, all of a sudden, I, I should have been laughing, but I was like... <laughs> like wow did you laugh or cry no I was like I needed therapy after this or a cup of coffee or something I don't know I wish coffee was that strong yeah yeah maybe a martini I don't know Mm. yeah the random question have you ever had foie gras uh yes I have and how was your experience with foie gras uh I it's it's not oh I'm gonna say this it's not one of my favorites yeah it's kind of an acquired taste. Yeah, I get that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, it's just fat, right? It's basically just fat. So foie it, I mean, gras is the 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 fat liver, the fatty liver mm-hmm. of both a duck and a goose. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, of course they've been cultivating. They've been people been eating the the fatty liver, the foie gras of both for. I mean, we're talking like twenty five hundred years. Um, going back to ancient ancient Egypt, uh-huh. and then the Romans, and now of course all over the world, people eat this. And they, usually in France, you know, they cultivate the foie gras. Yeah. But people all, all over the world have developed a taste for this, right? And so they force feed these geese, and they do the same thing with the duck, but mainly geese. So they, mm-hmm. the so basically the the liver, they give it so much corn that it actually colors, they make this like corn mash that they force feed down this poor goose, (laughs) okay? I mean, I'm laughing as I'm saying this. I'm like, this goose is like, dude, I'm full. (laughs) But they're like, here, you're not, it's like like the Italian grandmother, eat more, eat more, right? (laughs) And so, um, but I mean, it's really, um, I mean, I have to say, I love it. I love foie gras. And it's usually when people prepare it, they will, or chefs, they will take like a cast iron skillet, get it blazing hot, Mm -hmm. put no like oil or butter in there and just sear it on one side, the other side, and to where it's basically just warm. Uh And um, I know it's, it's like, and people are listening and you're like, yeah, you know, that does not sound delightful. Yeah, I'm. I'm making the face that y'all are probably <laughs> making right now. <laughs> it is definitely an acquired taste. Yeah. So what's this? Okay. But it's well, super pricey too. Well, I was going to say like now it's a delicacy. Mm-hmm. Did they eat this originally out of just sheer desperation? Like we're just going to eat all of the duck. We're going to eat all of the goose because like we got to survive. And now like what was once done in and desperation has now become a delicacy like is yeah, that it what is, it is or it is, is it- that and then of course years ago it was one of those things that of course and 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 poor cultures they will eat every single bit of an animal right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and so that they loved it because of the fattiness and literally with foie gras it melts 
at body temperature in some ways. So like you, you eat it and it will melt in your mouth literally. Oh. And so, because it's so fatty mm-hmm. and rich. Mm-hmm. Duck foie gras, duck liver, they will usually put in pate, mm-hmm. right in the middle of a pate. Mm-hmm. But with goose foie gras, um, they'll, they kind of serve it and usually like spread it on toast or something like that. Uh-huh. But I actually prefer gu- a goose um, fat, like to fry potatoes in goose fat or duck fat is exquisite. It's, it's awesome. It is so, so good. Again, something that I never yeah. thought you could do. Like, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, don't you put it in butter, oil? Well, yeah. But and it's the I butter. I thought the... goose or duck fat. So, f- yeah. And if you get a chance, always try potatoes fried in goose fat or duck fat. It's wonderful. Where do you buy that? I mean, you can get it on Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Amazon has yeah. everything. Of course. They've got everything. I don't know if you can get a duck or goose on Amazon. <laughs> Well, I'm sure Probably. somebody can let us know if you can, right? <laughs> so that now, um, so today we're going to talk about science, but what made me think of it is like science is developed in such a way that used to be they, they would actually put a tube down the throat of this poor goose and just cram it full of corn. And science is, the, these, these geese farms all over Europe, especially mm-hmm. in Belgium and in France, they, they have a much more scientific process now. But um, so when we talk about science and faith, mm-hmm. um, I think it's kind of worth pointing out that uh, people, for many, many years, people have thought these two just don't go together. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we believe is that they go together very, very well, mm-hmm. very well. I mean, um, what John Paul's encyclical, Fidetz et Ratio, Faith and Reason, it's one of the things that he said. St. Augustine, many years ago, said the same thing. Faith and reason, the mind and the heart working together. And this is one of the reasons in Catholic world, when we make the sign of the cross, we're saying, Lord, help me to learn my faith, my mind. Help me to pray my faith with my heart. Help me to live my faith. Jesus mm-hmm. carried his cross on his shoulders. Help me to take up my cross every day. Mm-hmm. And But the issue comes up, and I'm sure you've gotten this as a teacher, mm-hmm. um, can Catholics believe in evolution? Mm-hmm. Anybody ever ask you that? Uh, I was a ninth grade teacher for eight years, so yes, I got that question every single year. Mm-hmm. Every year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's and, interesting. Well, isn't it? I mean, and people... Uh, People ask this question, and, and, and it's really important in many ways, isn't it? Because a lot of Catholics, you know, they love their faith, but they don't really know their faith, a lot mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And so the answer to this is, yes, we can believe in evolution. Mm-hmm. Keeping in mind there's a big difference between a theistic notion, notion of evolution and an atheistic notion of evolution. And so a lot of times, um, I'm sorry to say, but a lot of people... Uh, even in higher academia, they attribute the notion of evolution to Charles Darwin, mm-hmm. who, interesting, interestingly enough, was born the exact same day as Abraham Lincoln. Interesting. So, so they're born in the same day in 1809. And um, so they have the same birthday. So it's interesting, both these, both these guys had two very, very different notions mm-hmm of what a human being was and the value of a human being. Mm -hmm. So Darwin, who was an atheist, Mm -hmm. argued that, you know, the survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Darwin did not come up with evolution. So he uh, he at times claimed that he did, but he did not. It actually was the notion of evolution really uh, 
predates Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so especially with uh, uh, Greek philosophers like uh, Epicurus, mm-hmm. where they talked about evolution. So a, a theistic notion of evolution, and like uh, Scott Hahn has talked about this, um, can coincide very beautifully and organically with the book of Genesis. So the, like, for instance, that God creates the world and and then also uh, that it develops over time. For instance, people are taller than they used to be. Mm-hmm. But what we do not see is these huge special leaps that Darwin claimed, you know, mm-hmm. that somebody would go from one species to a different, to a different, to a different, mm-hmm. right? Or an animal would do this. And it's worth pointing out that towards the end of his life, Darwin admitted that that was wrong. Mm-hmm. But of course, that's usually it. Uh, they, they usually leave that out. Mm-hmm. So Darwin was an atheist. Uh, and so it's, in, in other words, it's not evolution or the book of Genesis. Catholics believe that it is, can be very much both. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a theistic notion of evolution, keeping in mind that the, the Big Bang Theory, right, was uh, conceived of by a Catholic priest, Monsignor George Lamette. Right, right. Which is super fascinating that a lot of, because I think that, you know, kind of going back to that image of the goose being force fed by the corn, I think a lot of people will think that Catholics, that the the higher ups, that the Catholic church and its organized religion is shoving things in our, you know, Mm -hmm. into us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and that we don't have minds of our own Mm -hmm. to be able to think about things with regards to science and the galaxies and the the animal kingdom and the and humanity and all of that uh, but that's not the case in which most uh, a lot of the major scientists themselves were in fact catholic that's right uh, and it which is an interesting thing to to think about and to and to point out um and and also too to make sure that with that theistic view of the human person, that the moment the the soul is infused mm-hmm. into the being, mm-hmm. we're completely distinct from the rest of the animals. So could you elaborate on that? I guess yeah, and, and that's an awesome point. So Pope Pius the twelfth, mm-hmm. um, he made this he he made this very point, um, and then I think it was 1950, if I'm not mistaken. He wrote a a, a document called Humane Generis, so the human race. Mm-hmm. And he made that very point. So he said, while we can believe in evolution, what we cannot believe is, as Catholics, what we cannot believe is that um, human beings, um, that they were, they, were, uh, they were kind of evolved from what's called polygenism, from multiple parents. We believe in monogism, genism, right? In other words, male, female, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. We, and so we, nor can we believe that the soul originated with our parents. Right. Okay. So while we, as I said, people are taller than they used to be, for instance, um, what we can't believe is that we received our soul from our parents. Mm-hmm. We received our soul from God at the moment of conception. Mm-hmm. And that Adam and Eve were indeed made in God's image and likeness. And that's worth pointing out, of course, is that the angels were also made in God's image and likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are the in, in the invisible world. Yeah. 
And so, but in the visible world, we're the only creatures that God had made in his image and likeness with an immortal soul. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the, the evolution there, um, it, it really is pretty amazing to think about that as time goes on, that our soul is immortal, but it's meant to be embodied. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what makes us different, of course, than, say, your guardian angel. It was never right. meant to be embodied or have a body. So the recipe for a human being, if you ask a Catholic, what is the recipe for a human being? You would, they would say, corpore et anima unus, mm -hmm. a Latin expression which means a union of body and soul. Right, and so that's that's kind of it. But it's uh, so we, yeah, we can as Catholics believe this. It's worth pointing out Pope John Paul II, Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope Francis. They've all said that that we can very much believe in a theistic notion of evolution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also interesting to to kind of point out too that the the animals themselves are God created them. To, to help us, you know, mm -hmm. to serve, to serve mm -hmm. mankind, that mankind is the highest of all creation, that even with the angels, their role is to help us get to God. But yet us, it's not up to us to get the angels to heaven. It's not up to us to mm -hmm. get the animals to heaven. Like we can make our own choices and do, and do our own, our own thing and choose to choose God or reject God. And, uh, but they all, the angels and the animals are here to help us as, as humans, which is a really astonishing and, and very beautiful thing. To, it it, to think it about. really is. It really is. And we don't really think about it because that's all we've ever known. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, there's an awesome book that talks about this by father Thomas Dubay, who died a number mm -hmm. of years ago. And it's called The Evidential Power of Beauty. Mm. And he talks about finding these fingerprints of God and the beauty of the created world. So mm -hmm. he talks, I mean, it's such an awesome book because it's, it's basically half theology and half science. Mm. But it's not science in the sense that it goes over people's heads. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's a he was a master at weaving these two together. Mm -hmm. The Evidential Power of Beauty. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's so awesome. So one of the things he points out is that science now estimates that there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the shores of the world. Wow. I mean, it's a big world, right? Mm -hmm. So the same year that Monsignor Lemaitre came up with the Big Bang Theory, um, that same, right around the same time, of course, in the state of Tennessee, we were going through the Scopes monkey trial mm -hmm. where they said it's either evolution or it's creation, it's evolution or it's creation. And, mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and then, of course, we, that same time, of course, uh, Edwin Hubble came up with the Hubble telescope huh. where he discovered that we are not just surrounded by one galaxy, but... Mm -hmm. but millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of galaxies there's one out there called abel 2029 which is just one of the billions of galaxies abel 2029 and they estimate in that one galaxy there are possibly trillions of stars wow i mean so it's big universe yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a big big universe uh, and so we we know so little 
mm-hmm. about this universe. Mm-hmm. But point being is that uh, we see God's fingerprint over all of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that in, in the Catholic world that we believe in is that, believe it or not, and this will come as a shock to a lot of people, is that, believe it or not, one day we will actually see all of the universe end. Mm. Mm-hmm. We will see it end um, because the universe is not immortal. We are. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, they are not, uh, they don't have an immortal soul. Mm-hmm. We do. Mm-hmm. And so um, Catholic, Catholics believe that the, uh, at the second coming of Christ, there will basically be four things that will cease to be. Um, time, all mm-hmm. time will cease. Purgatory mm-hmm. will cease. Everybody in purgatory will then go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, death will end. Mm-hmm. Death will be over with. And then the cosmos, as we hear in scripture, uh, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we actually believe this, yeah. that um, as the last line of the, the Nicene Creed talks about, we look for the, you know, we look, we wait Mm-hmm. for the resurrection we want this mm-hmm. so um that's one of the cool things i think about having mm-hmm. an immortal soul and this is why it, it really should drive home to people the importance of making good choices right. while we have our time here what are you going to do with your time mm-hmm. and jesus himself talks about this in matthew's gospel he's like look man um if if you need to reconcile do it now mm-hmm. And, you know, he's talking about, he said, amen, amen, I say to you, you will be turned over to the, the jailer. You will not be released until you've paid the last penny. In other words, his point is simply to say, approach each day like it's your last. Make yeah. good choices. Yeah. Which I find it super fascinating. This was kind of a thought that I've been recently brought to my mind. And that is to ponder, and that is usually, especially with when when we talk about evolution, a lot of the times we will say that we're closely related to the animals. You know that we're super that we're we have animal animalistic behavior, or we're all, and especially in our culture, we do start to kind of go more. Well, we're animals. We're more like animals. There's even songs about that mm-hmm. that we're we're more like animals, uh, and it, and it starts to seep into our culture in, in little ways. But one thing we never think about, and or at least I haven't, is that we're actually more closely related to the angels mm-hmm. than to. The animals. Very much so. That mm-hmm. they're immortal. We're immortal. We're, but that is one thing that we, if, if we live in a, if, if we live in a culture that wants to divorce faith and God from, from life, well, then we have to go on the animalistic base level of, of existence rather than because we can't think about immortal life and immortality but there is an aspect there is that part of us that is immortal so we are more closely related to the angels more so than to the animals themselves absolutely and that's what they call biologism mm-hmm. is that the the darwinian notion that there is no afterlife mm-hmm. i mean that we're, we're basically just acting solely out of instinct mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then there's no consequences okay. for our actions. Mm-hmm. And, and when people are sold that bill of goods, but then they feel guilt mm-hmm. over a one night stand mm-hmm. or something, then they're at a conflict, right? Because their brains are telling them 
um, hey, there's no consequences. We're basically yeah. acting out of instinct. This is uh, the, the sexual instinct. Right. Live it up. Mm -hmm. But then they feel shame. Mm -hmm. So they have this conflict mm. within them. Mm. And so we're, you know, then they can't make sense of it. And, and so, yeah, so this biologism, this Darwinian notion that it really doesn't matter what we do. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then if we apply that to someone, you know, some of the writings or teachings of, say, Friedrich Nietzsche, who mm -hmm. said that um, what he called the, the Ubermensch or the, the, the strong man, the superman mm -hmm. notion that, that might makes right, mm -hmm. had a huge impact, huge impact on Adolf Hitler. And so it's, it's very much coincides with the Darwinian notion of that the strong survive and the weak die off. Mm -hmm. And um, which, uh, I mean, had a massive impact as well. Darwin's writings had a huge impact on Margaret Sanger mm. and her book, uh, The Pivot of Civilization, where she mm -hmm. argues that um, very much, a, um, very much the, the notion that the weak should be killed off. Yeah, you know the, this uh, the this idea that they really don't have a li uh, right to life, mm -hmm. and um, so in in Sanger's book, it's really riddled with Darwinian teaching, mm -hmm. sadly. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate too because as Catholics, I see where we we look to science to really show us the the marvels of God. And, and, and discover, keep discovering those fingerprints of God to really reflect on just how finite and how detailed he is. I mean, just for the human person and development in utero and all of that, it's such detailed development that it's just, it's just mind boggling to look at. And so how science is a very a beautiful thing. However, like you talked about Margaret Sanger, when put in the wrong hands, science can be used to to kill off races mm -hmm. or to kill off people i.e you know the the beginnings of the birth control pill so it's as as catholics i just kind of want to say that that as catholics you, we have a great responsibility with science uh in that we need to make sure that it is it is utilized for the good and mm -hmm. the betterment of the human person uh, and, and nature, the environment, all of that, um, because, because if not, then we can use it to do whatever we want, which is not mm -hmm. always great. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly right. So it, it, with the Catholic understanding of science is that it should always be used to promote the dignity of the human person, mm -hmm. and which is the, really the anti-venom to the, the Sangarian notion or the Darwinian notion of uh, eugenics, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, what they call uh, racial purity. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. again, had a massive impact on, say, if one uh, reads Mein Kampf mm -hmm. and Hitler's book, My Struggle. You know, the, there's, of course, uh, the, that was the, the really the, the preamble so to speak to the final the final solution of the Jews mm -hmm. so we kill off the weak and 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 the argument of racial purity mm -hmm. and um and if people people buy into this whole hog mm -hmm. I mean in 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 those times I mean Hitler I think wrote that in and it was in the 1920s in Sanger's book the mm -hmm. same time mm -hmm. and um so people would look back to now and say how on earth did they believe that? But mm -hmm. then on our own time, 
I mean, this is taught. The, the same notion is taught in, in more than a few uh, universities. I mean, for instance, Peter Singer, Dr. Singer at Princeton, mm-hmm. openly argues, he's very open about this, that, and, and he says that people, parents should have the right to terminate the life of the child after birth. Mm-hmm. If they decide that they don't want the child after the child's born, mm-hmm. um, even up until several months after the child's born. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says animals in many instances have more rights than human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, uh, you know, people buy into this. Mm-hmm. And rather than saying, okay, this is crazy. <laughs> I am not going to listen to this. Right. And so, um, but, but, you know, when you're, I mean, I, I realize this may come across as being condescending to some people, but imagine you're 19 years old mm-hmm. and you're sitting in a university classroom and your professor has letters before and after their name. They have tenured. They've been published. Mm-hmm. You think, well, clearly they know more than I do. Mm-hmm. That is definitely not necessarily the case. Right. So it takes a courageous young man or young woman to mm-hmm. stand up and say, um, that's just wrong. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's, I was actually reading St. Teresa of Avila recently. And I mean, she, if we look at, especially the female doctors of the church, like they didn't have those degrees. They didn't have, they weren't necessarily in in seminaries and with the, with the great teachers or, or anything, but yet through the grace of God, they were given a lot of insight and a lot of knowledge and understanding that, that, they actually combat it mm-hmm. a lot of, of other people and a lot of, of heresies and everything of the time in order to bring people back to back to God. And so, you know, if God did that for them, he can definitely do that for us. So we should never, when, when we know science is not being used for the good, then yes, you, you can stand up mm-hmm. and you can say, no, this isn't, this isn't right. Um, yeah, and that what a great that's a great insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great e- insight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Edith Stein, for instance, and Teresa Avila, Catherine of Siena, mm-hmm. brilliant mm-hmm. minds, mm-hmm. brilliant minds. I mean, Saint Hildegard of Bingen. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these women that that are just uh, in amazing that used their intellect. Mm-hmm. Maximilian Kolbe, mm-hmm. who is I mean, just brilliant, brilliant man. Um, that use their intellect and their faith working in tandem. Yeah. And and uh, and John Paul says those two working together like two wings of the same bird that mm-hmm. bring us to God. Mm-hmm. Cool stuff. Yes. I get it so excited about this stuff. I'm a big nerd. I hated science growing up, but I'm like, man, this is really cool stuff. This is cool stuff. Yeah. If you've never sat with a physicist and particularly a Catholic physicist that can talk to you about creation, you've got to do that. Mm. Get you a glass of wine, sit or bottle of wine, mm-hmm. sit down with a physicist <laughs> is like mind-blowingly awesome and and beautiful. Okay. It's, and you know, and there's also the study of bioethics too. Mm-hmm. You know, just that these the church is very much in favor of of science, but mm-hmm. also making sure it is for the dignity of the human person. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Cool stuff. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Listen, don't forget to put soul in your food and give food to your soul. God bless you.